Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Who doesn't like a good mystery? I think the best, uh, the best mysteries are those that, uh, that you read and you, you can't figure it out until the very last page. And it's like, oh, how, how did I miss that? Uh, the, only, the only mystery I think that would be even, even greater than one that kept you waiting until the last page would be a mystery that kept you waiting until the end of time. That day when we see Jesus... We know in part now, and we see through a glass dimly, but that day will come when we will fully know, just as we have been fully known. And on that day, when all is revealed, when the mysteries are, are, are uncovered for the final time, we'll go, oh, that, that is so cool. How could I have missed that? Mystery is what we deal with in part when we come to a book in the Bible like the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews. That's the last chapter. The book of Hebrews is unlike any other book in the the New or in the Old Testament. Really, what we have in the book of Hebrews, is a sermon. Uh, and I, I have to chuckle uh, because in, the, in this uh, final passages here, uh, it, uh, in, in verse, uh, chapter, chapter 13, actually uh, move it back up to verse 22. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. This is a short sermon. So, if I were to stand here and read the, the book of Hebrews for you as a sermon, I want you to be mindful that in the first century, this would be considered a short sermon. There are mysteries. It's unlike any other book in the New Testament. And the greatest mystery is who wrote it? Uh, Probably right underneath that is to whom was it written? What were the circumstances and the time in which it was written and received? The book concludes with these words. Verse 24, greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Now the biggest mystery is how on the first day of the year we could already be through the book of Hebrews. Well, 
someone, uh, uh, someone said, uh, uh, it's always good to uh, uh, look at the end to know where you're going. Uh, you move forward with the end in sight. And, and that is going to be particularly important for us as we move through the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is going to encourage us, but it's also going to chastise us. It, it, it is, it is going to, it's going to challenge us, uh, and not only us, but also our relationships with one another. And so what, a couple of things that are appropriate for us as we move through the book of Hebrews is to have the end in mind. And the end in mind that I want all of you to have uh, is the final verse, verse 25, 13, 25. And this is your memory verse for the week. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. I appreciate uh, so much Dallas Willard's saying that Christians need to burn through grace like a jet burns through fuel. Now, when we think of grace, of course, we think of the amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. We think about God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a, a nice little acronym for the word grace. God's riches at Christ, Christ's expense. My fingers aren't working. Uh, and, and we celebrate that for by grace we have been saved. I mean, that's an early memory verse for many of us, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace we have been saved. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And, and too often, I think, as Christians, we leave it there. But we need not only to receive grace, but we need to be dispensers of grace, our challenge, our challenge, go back to Micah 6.8, what does the Lord require of us? But to be just, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And so as, as we begin to examine uh, uh, what's wrong with the world, we start right here with us. What's wrong with me? In that prayer, uh, the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in David as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, in me. That's where I need to do most of my work. I'm not called to do work in your life. I'm called to walk alongside of you. I'm called to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. Jesus has an agenda for you. Jesus has an agenda for each one of us. I'm still working out trying to figure out what his agenda is in my life, let alone try and figure out what his agenda is in your life. The one agenda that I know that, that he has is to get closer to you, to become more and more uh, uh, influential in your life so that through the, the, uh, uh, the spiritual exercises that we do, our lives can be transformed into his image. And as our lives are transformed, as my life is transformed, as your life is transformed, God will reveal to you His agenda for your life. And He has an agenda. Don't ever think that He doesn't. 
We cannot use grace as an excuse to continue with the status quo. This is a gospel not of affirmation. This is a gospel of transformation. We are called to renew our minds and be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we move through the book of Hebrews, I want us to keep that end in mind, that our utmost goal is to have grace be with us all. So who wrote this incredible sermon? Who wrote uh, 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 this uh, book of Hebrews? Uh, We don't know. Early on, it was thought that, uh, that Paul wrote this book. And, and one of the reasons why they thought that uh, is, is because when they were putting the canon together, this is the canon, the 66 books of the Bible that we have, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. As this was being put together, one of the things that they looked at was authorship and was a book authored by someone who had an intimate knowledge of Christ. Hebrews comes along, and, and it is, we'll talk, it, it, it's, it's un, again, it's unlike any other book in the, in the New Testament. So people so wanted it included because of the powerful message contained therein that they attributed it to Paul. Now, a careful reading of the book of Hebrews actually eliminates Paul from the running. In the second chapter, I know, I had you in 13, now I'm in 2. In the second chapter, we read this. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That's in verse 3 of the second chapter. So the author of the book of Hebrews right here is claiming to be a second-generation Christian. Paul would never claim to be a second-generation Christian. He had his encounter on the road to Damascus. It was very, very personal, upfront, close and personal. So we can eliminate Paul as a potential author for the book of Hebrews. However... Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews certainly had Pauline influences in their lives. Some of the names that have been uh, uh, thrown out there are uh, Apollos uh, could have uh, uh, written this book. Uh, uh, Clement of Rome could have written the book. Uh, It's it's suggested that uh, Aquila and Priscilla Uh, could have written this book. We just don't know. But what we do know is that the person who wrote this book was highly educated. The, the, The style of Greek, and it was originally written in Greek, is... Uh, is second to none in the New Testament. Very, very close to Luke. Some have suggested that Luke wrote this. Luke, 
the physician who accompanied Paul. Uh, he wrote for us the, uh, the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts. Some have suggested that Luke wrote this book as well because of uh, uh, stylistically the, the Greek is very, very eloquent. The person who wrote this was a highly educated individual. Uh, there are Pauline uh, influences, as we have said, but there's also, there's Alexandrian. Alexandria uh, was a, uh, a center of learning, and so the thought is that uh, not Philo, but someone like Philo, who was uh, uh, trained and schooled in Alexandria, may have, have, have risen up to write this book. We don't know. I like to speculate that it was Priscilla. And uh, somebody said, well, that's just wild speculation. And perhaps it is. But the thing that, uh, that leads me toward that perspective is that the book of Hebrews is outstanding. I mean, it is, it is an incredible piece of literature. And the reason I think that we could argue toward having a woman written it was for two things. Number one, if it was written by a woman and she put her name on it, it would have never seen the light of day. No one would have ever read it. It's unfortunate. We've come a long way, baby. Uh, in the first century, the, uh, a woman's testimony was invalid. It was invalid. Nobody cared what a woman thought or what she said. Uh, she had no status in the community. And so if a book or a letter or something had come out with a woman's name on it, we would not have, uh, we wouldn't see it today. So whatever was written by women, uh, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, probably closer to our time than not, but certainly in the first century, very little. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if, uh, uh, if anything written by a woman from the first century has survived. That would be something for my research librarian, uh, uh, June McLeod, to look up. So, number one, if a woman had put, penned her name to this, it wouldn't have, uh, it wouldn't have made the canon. That's, I'm not proud to say that, but that's probably true. The other thing is that it is such a brilliant book that there's not a man alive, if he had written it, wouldn't have been proud to put his name on it. I mean, that's just the, that's the, that's the male ego. I mean, it is such a fabulous book. Now, the reality is the people who received it would have known because the person who carried the letter to the uh, uh, audience, the intended audience, would have told them exactly who it was. But again, that, that information is lost to us as is the information about who the people were that received it. We know that the people who received it were Jewish background believers. Now, having just come through the book of Romans, we know the challenges that the Jewish background believers faced with the Gentile background believers and the tension that existed between the two of them. Now, as, as, with regard to, to, the, to where these people were, the two major Jewish background-believing communities were in Jerusalem. You'll remember from the book of Acts, 
when the Holy Spirit came, the day of Pentecost, thousands of people were added to the church. And some of those people who were there on the day of Pentecost were Romans. And they took the good news back to Rome to establish the church there. If you'll remember, the church in Rome was a church that Paul did not establish, nor had he ever visited, uh, except when he went at the end of his life in chains. So the argument then is that the, the, the people who first received this incredible sermon were Jewish background believers who were either in Jerusalem or in Rome. I tend to think that it was probably in Rome. Why? Well, because go back to the verses that we were looking at today. Greetings, verse 24 in, in chapter, tw- chapter 13. Greetings to all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Why would people from Italy bother to send greetings unless those greetings were back to Italy, which would have pointed back to Rome? At the end of the day, we don't know. What we do know is that the Jewish background believing Christians were struggling. They were struggling. They were a group of people who were heavily persecuted in the very beginning. And who were those that were persecuting them most of all? The, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the established uh, religious community of Judaism in the first century. One could speculate that as they struggled with their identity and as they struggled with Gentile background believers, the Gentile background believers who reached for grace at, at all cost and dismissed the, uh, uh, all of, of Judaism and, and, and the requirements of the law, be it, be it the ceremonial law, be it the, 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 the civil law, be it the, uh, 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 the ethical law, the moral law, they just went to grace. Ah, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. The fallacy in that is to think that because we are forgiven, morality no longer matters. Of course it matters. It mattered back then. It matters today. Uh, We should never say that because we have grace that sin should abound. Paul talked about that. We looked at that when we were in the book of Romans. And so we're we're trying to find find this this balance, this tension uh, between understanding the moral framework that God has provided us, uh, and the grace that he has also provided us in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And, it, and it's not an either or, it's a both and. I've talked about that more and more, I think, just this last year than I ever have before. Uh, and, and I think that's a work that God is doing in my life. For the longest time, you know, I'm, I'm, I was kind of a black and white kind of guy. Uh, it was an either or. Uh, you know, there was not a lot of room in the middle. But as I grow, and, you know, it, it, it has to do with, uh, with my own faith journey. Uh, as, a, as a new Christian, uh, I had a destination in mind, and that was heaven. And I was, I was moving forward, and I wanted to take as many people as I could with me as I was going uh, along that journey. And that's the old, you know, lead, follow, or get out of the way. 
That's, that was kind of my attitude. But th- the Lord began doing a work in my life, uh, and I began to realize that as important as the destination is, that there's value in the journey as well. And, and I came to that point where I recognized that uh, the journey, and the first time I said this, I had to swallow hard uh, because I, I believed it up here, but I, down here I was really struggling with the idea that the journey was as important as the destination. Uh, well, I kind of come full circle uh, in that I now believe that the journey is the destination. As we live into the kingdom of God here and now, the journey is the destination. So we come alongside of each other. If you you put everybody on a circle, if you put everybody on a circle and you put Christ right in the middle, and our goal, our objective is is to have a closer and a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, we all on this circle, we all begin to take steps closer and closer toward the middle. Well, as many points as there are on that circle, that's how many agendas there are for God's people. And a person coming from this trajectory has different issues than somebody coming from this direct trajectory. So rather than try to second guess what each other are doing and what the issues are that God is working on in our lives, let us work on focusing our attention on who Jesus is, who he is calling us to be, and engaging in exercises that transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. So for the, for the Jewish background believers struggling with the, uh, with the increase of Gentile believers. And, and, and the message is for all the world to hear. So we want that. We want the church to grow. Don't we want the church to grow? Yes, we want the church to grow, both in numbers and in depth. Both in numbers and in depth. If I had to choose one over the other, I would probably choose depth uh, over, over, uh, over numbers. But we continue to do that. Uh, And uh, so back in Rome, we're looking at that tension between the two. uh, And the the Jewish background believers, the Hebrews, a name name given to them uh, uh, back uh, with with Abraham, uh, the Hebrews were struggling with their identity. Who, Who am I as a child of God? As a, as, a, as a follower of Christ, the Gentile background believers are, are giving me all kinds of grief. Uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm struggling with that relation there. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. My family who have not come to Christ are also giving me grief. And I find myself between a, a rock and a hard space. And I'm struggling, and I'm asking the question, is it worth the struggle? These are people who have undergone a great deal of persecution. There may be a little lull, but we know that more persecution is coming. And so the tendency, uh, getting caught in that, in that, between a rock and a hard spot, is why not go back to that which I know? 
Why not just say the heck with this? And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my Jewish roots. Uh, that community will welcome me with open arms. Life was so much easier before I invited Christ into my life that I'm just going to abandon my faith and go back to what I know. The author of the sermon that we call the book of Hebrews says, don't do it. I want to encourage you to stay the course. I want to encourage you. And that's where he says in, this, uh, in, this, uh, in the final verses there, I urge you uh, to bear with my word of encouragement. It is a word of encouragement to stay the course. And the same is true for us in this day and age. Following Jesus is not easy, especially in this day and age where we are increasingly uh, being told that our faith has no place in the public square. We are told that we are out of step. We are told that, uh, uh, that if we want to hold on to some archaic faith and belief, that we should privatize it that we should do it in our own homes. In fact, there's even a, there's even a, a, a shift in the language that's being used. The, the, the First Amendment uh, grants us freedom of religion. Do you hear people talk about freedom of worship? You have freedom of worship. Yes, I do. I have freedom of worship because I have freedom of religion. But see, they change the language ever so subtly. If I say to you, and if I can convince you that you have freedom of worship, I have basically taken your religion and I've condensed it into one hour, one day a week. That's not what faith in Jesus Christ is all about. It is a 24-7 proposition. It is not something, it is not merely something that I believe, but it is something that I am. It defines who I am and how I live my life, how I interact with people, not just on Sunday morning, but every morning, every afternoon, every evening. It is a 24-7 process. But the world around us is telling us, no, 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 abandon that. And we are seeing people abandon the faith now. We're also seeing people come to the faith uh, Christianity is still the, the, uh, the largest faith uh, in the world. It is still growing, uh, but there are some competing narratives out there as well, which means we need to be fully uh, grounded in what we believe and why we believe it and not get discouraged, but to hold true and not abandon our faith. And there are many people who are abandoning their faith these days. Many people, dare I say it, in the church who are staying in the church but abandoning the truth for a different gospel. A different gospel that is not biblically based, that is not Christ-focused. It's a gospel of affirmation that says, you know what, it's just about love and acceptance and let's just all come in and have one great big hug fest. Well, uh, you know, I'm all for hug fests, but I want them to be based in truth. 
And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have the vision. The vision that we get from the Gospels, studying about who Jesus is, what the Gospel is all about. We have that vision. And we also have the means to accomplish that vision. We have Scripture. We have opportunities to gather in worship, be it live-streamed or out on the lawn, however that works. Uh, we, 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 we have the soul exercises. You, you, you look at uh, uh, the bulletin today. Uh, the soul exercises uh, are in there. And I've encouraged you last week, in last, sun, last Sunday, I encouraged you to get into the Word, to engage in soul exercises those are the means that God has given to us to achieve the vision that we have laid out for us in the person of Jesus Christ. What we lack is intentionality. What we lack is intentionality. And that's where our own will comes into play. where we're applying the means that are at our disposal to achieve the vision that is set forth for us in the Gospels. Sto imparando l'italiano. Are there any Italian speakers out there? What I just said is, I am learning Italian. I have this dream that uh, someday when I retire, uh, uh, Jody and I are going to go live in Italy for half a year, and we're going to live in Scotland for half a year uh, before we uh, come back to America and kind of uh, uh, settle down. And so I thought it would be good to, to learn some Italian before, uh, before we do that. And so every day I'm, uh, I'm working on vocabulary and sentence structures, and uh, uh, so I have this vision of me walking into a cafe and, and, and saying something more than uh, uh, uno cappuccino per favore, uh, which is uh, one cappuccino, please. Uh, I had this vision of me uh, talking in Italian to the, to the community around me. Uh, and, and the means are there. Oh, my gosh, the means are there. The, the tools online for me to learn Italian uh, are, uh, I mean, YouTube. <laughs> You can learn anything on YouTube, which is kind of scary. But uh, certainly there's all kinds of Italian lessons. There are programs out there. There, there are people in the community that, uh, that I can reach out to and, and, and work on that. So I have the vision of me. Uh, I've got that. I, I, I have the means there at my disposal. But I've got to tie the two together. And I, to, I tie the two together through intentionality. 15 minutes a day. I try to work on my Italian 15 minutes a day. And, and, I, and I find myself growing in my ability to put sentences together and, uh, you know, I'll hear something, I go, I know what, that, I know what they're talking about. Uh, I've got a long way to go. I've got a long way to go. But I have the vision, I have the means. It's the intentionality piece that falls on my shoulders. The same thing is true with our faith. We have the vision. The vision of who Jesus is and who he is calling us to be as being, as being transformed into his image. We have the means available to us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. We have the soul exercises, the spiritual disciplines that will transform us. What we need to commit to is the intentionality. 
where we take the vision of who Jesus is. Again, look at the circle. And Jesus at the center. And we're all on that circle. And we want to not abandon our faith. We want to, to hold on to it. We want to move toward that circle. Uh, that the, the, that's the vision, is, is, is arriving in the center of that circle. We have the means. The means is community to support and encourage one another through the Word of God, through our prayer, through the spiritual disciplines. The intentionality is bringing those two together. And I think that the way that we work together is by adhering to the very last verse in this sermon. Grace be with you all. We need to carry grace with us. We need to extend grace to one another as we encourage one another to focus on Jesus. I don't want to focus on your behavior. I want me to focus on Jesus' behavior. I want you to focus on Jesus' behavior. I want us all looking at the vision to use the means that are available to us to be intentional about growing our faith, especially in these challenging times. In many ways, I think that Christians today can identify with the Jewish background believers of the first century. The culture around us is pressing us so hard, and it is becoming more and more difficult for us to be Bible-believing disciples of Jesus Christ. It is so tempting and so easy to just want to throw in the towel. And the author of the book of Hebrews says, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, God has revealed himself. And in the person of Jesus Christ, we can have life and have it abundantly. In the person of Jesus Christ, together we can live into the kingdom of God, a life that is filled with promise and hope and joy and celebration. But you know what we can't do? We can't do it alone. We need each other. And so this year, as we work our way through the book of Hebrews, I want you to keep the end in mind. Because there's going to be some hard challenges in the days ahead. As I was laying out the, uh, the, the preaching schedule and putting together all the sermon uh, outlines for the month of January, uh, I said, what was I thinking? As I started reading the text and really uh, wrestling with some of the material. But you know what? I said the same thing when we did Romans. I, 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 we got into Romans and it's like... David, what were you thinking? But we pressed through the book of Romans and we grew in our faith and our understanding of who God is. And I'm convinced that the same thing is going to happen as we work our way through the book of Hebrews. So stay with me. Read it. Read it on your own. Be prepared for when we come back next week and all the following weeks to wrestle with the truths that we will discover uh, uh, both both uplifting, encouraging, and challenging through the book of Hebrews. And I guarantee you that when we finally come full circle back to this verse in the 13th chapter, we will have grown in our faith and be more Christ-like. What better resolution in a new year could we possibly have? 
Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Those indeed are, are promises that are worth standing on. And let us stand on the promises that God has given to us, that he will never forsake us or abandon us. That he who began a good work in you and me will continue until that day of Christ Jesus. We have the vision. We have the means. Let us encourage and support one another to be intentional with that vision and that means as we go through this year, as we work our way through the book of Hebrews. And let us celebrate, even now, in anticipation of the transformation that we will see in our lives as we stand on the promises of God.